Thank you. Thank you very much. I'd like to uh, thank the sponsors of the American Academy of Achievement for uh, this evening and for uh, uh, having me here to uh, congratulate all of our uh, student achievement winners and to uh, truly salute my fellow uh, Academy Achievement members and tell you what uh, really an extraordinary honor uh, it is, slightly intimid intimidating, uh, to be in a room with really so many, many worthy people and it's very, very nice to be here. Um, as I got off the plane about 45 minutes ago and was told that uh, I was speaking this evening uh, <coughs> to this group as, uh, and I asked them, what should I talk about? And they said, well, you know, talk to the, uh, the students about uh, achievements. And I said, well, I mean, if National Merit Scholars are the ying, then I was the yang. Uh, you know, my, uh, uh, my claim to fame, I was what you would call a late bloomer, to say the least. Uh, my biggest achievement in this wonderful private school that my uh, parents paid a lot of money, I remember, was to finally get to my college counselor. Every high school has a college counselor. Mine reminded me of a travel agent. You know, these brochures, these different colleges, you know, he'd thumb through them, and I said, wait a minute, stop. And there was a college, and it said, Campus by the Sea. And this is 1963. And on the cover, it had a guy walking down the beach with a surfboard and two girls in two-piece bathing suits. 19, on the East Coast, you didn't see a two-piece bathing suit in 1963, you know. So that was, that was my motivation. And uh, I... Uh, <clears throat> I had a, uh, a, a wonderful five-year program at uh, uh, University of California, Santa Barbara, which as it turned out to be was an excellent college. It was the height of uh, the UC system when the uh, state of California was pumping a tremendous amount of money uh, into the schools. It turned out to be quite good, except I got to my junior year and was called into the chancellor's office and said, I really think it's about time that you declared a major. And I said, and the truth was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no idea uh, what I wanted to do, or for that matter, probably who I was. And um, my, my mother was an actress. Uh, I grew up with her, basically. My mother and father got separated when I was five, and was a stage actress in New York, and was familiar with that, and certainly we all know who my father was. So I thought theater. And I became a dramatic arts major. Uh, and somewhere, I guess in terms of finding a motiv motivation or direction, I began to assume uh, this, uh, this role uh, without really a lot of interest at first. Uh, my first roles as an actor on school, uh, the friends of mine tease me now, is famous for carrying a wastebasket right off stage. So there was a major heaves before you got on stage, you know, and then you'd run off and have the dry heaves. I was tremendous stage fright. The idea of standing in front of uh, audiences um, totally terrified me. And that's been a constant struggle for years, years. It's been since 1968 or 69, just a, a constant struggle with, uh, with stage fright and you know, practicing overcoming it. And I was fortunate enough uh, when I got out of school, the la actually the last summer, to work in a, in a summer theater. And part of my uh, job was to help build an outdoor amphitheater. 
at a place called the Eugene O'Neill Memorial Theater. Mr. Wilson is very familiar with the, uh, the uh, theater. And it was a uh, wonderful opportunity at the National Playwrights Conference. And in terms of building this theater, they allowed me to play a part, one role in, uh, in one of the plays. And I was invited back the following summer and the following summer after that and became part of the resident acting company for the National Playwrights Conference. And was fortunate enough to do plays by uh, Sam Shepard, John Guare, Israel Horowitz, Lanford Wilson, a lot of very excellent writers. And I guess that was my first lesson, uh, which had to do with material. Um, as opposed to Miss Pearl, I, I uh, rely tremendously on scripts. We all do. As a writer who's written down a part, uh, the silent monologue in this first clip from Wall Street was a, uh, a beautifully written uh, monologue by Oliver Stone, uh, which I interpreted. So therefore, I consider myself much more of a craftsman than an artist, uh, as some of the people here who've created original works. Uh, in any event, at that summer theater, uh, I became friends with Danny DeVito. And in our third summer together, we actually were paid money, $65 a week, 19, 1970. And for an actor, there's a phenomenal moment when somebody's actually paid you to perform. Uh, it's called being a professional, and it means a tremendous amount. At that point, we went on afterwards and became roommates in New York, uh, Danny DeVito and myself. Uh, and then I got my first break in the CBS Playhouse, which was mentioned, which was about a radical student uh, activist uh, graduating with honors, being uh, employed by a large corporation, and his struggle as an individual in fitting in with this large corporation. So things initially seemed to be rolling along quite well. Uh, there then was what we call a lull or a bump in uh, our career as we did a series of films which did not work out. Uh, and I found myself two years later fairly unemployed, uh, not getting any movies as an actor and films any longer, uh, and beginning to go into television, television, episodic television. While I was in college, one of the, the highlights of, uh, of my reading material was a, a book called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which was a book that my father had bought in galley form back in 1963 to do as a Broadway play. Galley form means that you buy the book before it's been published uh, by the, uh, uh, the publishing company. And this was his return to Broadway. The play did not work out, but uh, a few years later, it became sort of a cult classic. And about this time, when I was having my lull in my career, my father had uh, tried for about six years uh, to get this uh, book made into a film and had not succeeded and was trying to sell it. And I don't really know what got into me except for my love of this book. It was a great piece of material. I said, don't sell it. Whatever you do, look, I'll take it. I'll get this picture made, and uh, your company can be involved. And that's how much it means to me. And my lovely, kind father, I think, thinking that, uh, well, you know, he's not having the best of times in his acting career right now, and let, me, let him run with it for a little bit. Well, I didn't know that it was going to take six years uh, of running. And that's basically what happened. Shortly after that, I was fortunate enough to get the uh, streets of San Francisco with Carl Malden. 
who also, just like my father, proved to be a mentor, uh, an extraordinarily supportive person to me. I didn't think our career was going to last very long. I remember our first day shooting. I was extremely nervous. It was the first break, and this is Carl Malden, Academy Award winner, and it was the end of the first day, and the light was going down on the top of Telegraph uh, Knob Hill. We're on Knob Hill, and the director, assistant director ran up and said, listen, we've got to get this one shot. You guys jump in the car. I want you to slap the light on top of the car, and you go around the corner, you make a left, and you go down the hill by the Fairmont. So I said, okay, okay, fine, let's go. And I had... Uh, you know, been into racing cars earlier in my, in my life and, you know, prided myself being a pretty good car driver. And Carl Malden got in the passenger 